Well, how are we doing tonight? We're doing okay? Well, hey, I want to I wanna share a, a story uh, one time on a, on a flight that I had. So a couple years ago for spring break, I decided to go to L.A. Uh, for spring break. I'd never been before, and it really wasn't my thing. But, you know, I thought I'd go check it out, see what it has to offer. And so for me to go to L.A., I had to fly to get there. I wasn't driving because driving would take so long. So I had a layover first in Detroit, and so I had to fly up, which is about two hours and 15 minutes to fly to Detroit, and then a 30-minute layover, and then to Los Angeles, which is about a five-hour flight. And so when I got to, we, we, we got to Tampa at the airport, we took off, two hours and 15 minutes later, we're in Detroit. So a 30-minute layover, and then I flew to L.A. So I was sitting here, about 30 minutes passed, and Nothing was really happening. They weren't calling us to, to come up and get our bags and, and get to the plane. So another 30 minutes went by. This was about an hour. I was like, man, what's going on? I'm just kind of sitting here waiting around. And then finally, so I go up. I go up to the, the front desk lady, and I say, hey, you know, do you know anything? What's going on? I've been sitting here. I think we're supposed to be gone by now. And she tells me, yeah, we're having some problems. Uh, we, we should be up in the air soon. 30 minutes later, so I've been there for an hour and a half now. I should be already an hour in, in the air to California. And they say, I'm sorry to say, but our flight has been canceled. And let you know, it's, it was about 11 p.m., almost midnight at this time. And so they gave us a free hotel for people who were flying. And so I got to the hotel, and obviously people were upset. They were angry. I was upset, tired. And so we get to the hotel. It's about 2 a.m. The next flight in the morning leaves at 5.30. So I was going to get no sleep. So I had to be up at, at 4 a.m. I got like an hour and a half of sleep, got to the airport. I'm tired. I'm upset. I'm frustrated. We finally get on the plane, and we finally take off to California. And so I'm sitting in this seat. And it is just so uncomfortable. It is so uncomfortable. I, you know, I'm a taller, bigger guy, so these seats are kind of small. I've got no leg room. The armrests are, are, are kind of tight on me. And so, you know, this is a five-hour flight. I don't want to be sitting and being uncomfortable for this long. And so I, I am going to be that guy, and I'm going to go ask a flight attendant, hey, can I, can I switch seats? So I saw a row that had literally no one in it, um, about ten rows in, in front of me. I said, hey, do you mind if I, you know, sit in this row I don't see anyone sitting in there, uh, and it'll just be, you know, a, a big help to me. And she said, well, actually, you've got to sit in the seat that's assigned to you. I said, okay. Uh, this row has no one in it, and we're going to be in the And so I went to go, so like, can, I, can I just sit here? Um, I didn't say it like that, but <laughs> that's what I was thinking. And so I went to go, you know, back down to my seat that I was assigned, I was frustrated, I was, man, I deserve those seats. I deserve those seats. I have been through, you know, just the worst night ever. I've gotten no sleep. Nothing's gone my way, right? I, I, have, I have nothing that's going right for me. I deserve these seats. I have earned this road to myself. That's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking in my head. And in that situation, and here's the problem with, with how I was thinking. I was in a, in a plane that brought me literally across the whole country in less than half a day. I could watch movies, text my friends. I wasn't texting anyone because it was like 6 o'clock in the morning. And sleep while we flew. I was also getting served free drinks and snacks while I was relaxing. And in that situation, I found something to still complain about. I found something to get frustrated about, and it came from what I felt entitled to. I felt entitled to, to a seat with more legroom because of what I've been through. I felt entitled to, to that seat because I was, I was tall 
I felt entitled to that seat because there was nobody sitting in it. In reality, I was sitting in the seat that I paid for, and I was angry that they didn't give me more than I paid for. So all these things going on, and I had this to complain about. Yes, you, you probably agree with me that it's okay to be a little frustrated, but the point is, is that I paid for the seat, and I'm complaining and angry about not getting more than I actually paid for. So we're continuing our teaching series tonight, Things Jesus Didn't Say. And throughout this series, we've been looking at statements Jesus never said. However, these statements are often believed to be true because it's what many people want to hear. So often, people will take Jesus' words or teachings and twist it, ultimately to make themselves feel better or to justify their actions. The goal for this series is to unpack some of these common misconceptions so that we can base our life on the truth of what Jesus actually said. And tonight, we're going to be looking at our third misconception, you get what you deserve. You get what you deserve. So these are some quotes uh, from people, actresses, uh, filmmakers, political figures uh, about getting what you deserve, all right? Number one, you don't get what you deserve, you get what you earn. In the end, you get what you deserve. The amount of effort you put, in, you put in determines the amount of joy that you receive. Love yourself and don't settle for less than what you deserve. If you've given the greatest effort that you can expect of yourself, you always get what you deserve. In this life, it's not what you hope for. It's not what you deserve. It's what you take. All these, are, all these phrases are talking about the idea of you get what you deserve or how much you are willing to put in. Right? These quotes from these people are based on ourselves, what we can do to earn, what we do to think what we get and we deserve. Right? If I work this hard, I'll get this. If I work this hard, I'll deserve this. And these are all statements that are just not true. All these statements are, are ideas are completely false and we'll talk more about that tonight. We have an attitude of entitlement as a culture. Everything we want is on demand for us. Just the other day, my wife ordered something on, on Amazon, and it was literally here the day of. I mean, that's just crazy to me. that You can order something, and it's here in like five hours. You can also sit on your couch. You can go grocery shopping, and they'll bring it right to your door. You don't even have to leave. You don't have to go to the grocery store anymore. You can sit and you can order food from a restaurant. You don't have to go out to eat and they'll bring it right to your front doorstep. Our culture says if we want it, you can have it and you can have it now. And I'm not saying these things are, are bad in any way. I'm saying that these things have, have helped create an attitude of entitlement that our culture has. Everyone expects things to be given and handed to them because of how easy our culture has made it to get these things. Entitlement is tricky, and I feel like uh, this specific sin is not talked about a lot in church. It is a sin that nobody thinks about because nobody thinks they struggle with it. Even, if, even as I was writing this message, I thought, man, I don't struggle with entitlement. Why am I even talking about this? I feel like no one struggles with entitlement here. Maybe some of you in here tonight have already thought, I don't struggle with entitlement. I don't think I work hard and, and I get what I deserve. Right? I earn what I, I get. I don't think that I'm entitled. When we think of entitlement, 
we often do not see it in ourselves. But the truth is, this is a sin that every single person in this room struggles with. This is a hidden sin, but a very destructive one. It's hurting you when you don't even realize it. And tonight, I want to read a passage I think exemplifies this well for us. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 14, and I Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 7. But I want to kind of give you some context to what's going on, what's happening in this passage. So what's happening is the, the, one of the more prominent Pharisees in this town invited Jesus over for dinner on the Sabbath. And so I, I say prominent Pharisees, that's important to remember. You'll get it, the reason why later. So he invites Jesus over to have dinner or lunch on the Sabbath day. Now this invitation wasn't a nice invitation, it wasn't a polite invitation. They didn't really want to hang out with Jesus. They wanted Jesus to come over so they could ridicule him, they could criticize him, they could judge him, and they could watch him carefully. That's why they invited Jesus over, not to have a nice dinner, a nice Sunday, Sunday dinner. That wasn't the reason they invited Jesus. They wanted to judge him for who he was because they hated who he was. So they're, they're walking to this dinner, and something that happens, and a lot of scholars believe about this man, they, they, they find they approach this man that was hurting. And the Bible says he had a bunch of extra fluids kind of running through him, that he was hurting, he was sick and in pain. A lot of scholars believe that he was also actually invited by these Pharisees. And back in this day, the Pharisees would consider this man unclean, and they, want, they would want nothing to do with this man. They want nothing to do with this man. So a lot of scholars believe they, they actually asked him to be there, again, to make an example of him. And so they're walking, and Jesus sees this man. He sees this man hurting and in pain. And of course, because Jesus is loving and compassionate, he goes to this man, and he heals him, and he sends him on his way. Important thing to note here is that on the Sabbath, the law was that there was no work. There was no work to be had on the Sabbath, so healing wasn't bad in general to the Pharisees, but it was because it was happening on the Sabbath day. And so he heals this man, he sends him on his way, and Jesus asked the Pharisees this question, which they were left puzzled with. He says, if your child or an ox were to fall in a well, would you not work on the Sabbath to save it? If your child or your ox were to fall in a well, would you not work on the Sabbath to save it? Jesus is trying to make a point here that it's super, super important not to miss, and that's this. He references the Pharisee's child because this was Jesus' child, this man that was hurting, this man that was in pain, this, this man that needed help. This was Jesus' child. And so he was saying, would you not save your own child if he was hurting on the Sabbath? Jesus makes the same point, if my child is hurting, I'm going, to, I'm going to heal him. I'm going to help him. So this is kind of what's happening. And so Jesus, he tells a parable, and this is where we will be focusing on tonight, starting in verse 7. So in Luke, Luke 14, starting in verse 7, it says, When he noticed how the guests picked the places of the honor at the table, he told him this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come to say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all other guests. 
Verse 7, the key verse here. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. So what happens here is after this kind of healing takes place and this, this question that Jesus asks, they start going and heading to the dinner table and Jesus notices something. He notices that all these Pharisees are rushing to get to the best seat at the table. Whoever can get the closest to remember this prominent Pharisee, so this guy was very popular in this town to all the Pharisees. They wanted to be him. They wanted to be like him. Man, if they could get to the highest point like him, man, that was their goal. And so they all rushed to, the, to, the, to sit closest to him. And so back in Jesus' day, it's important to know this. If you were at an occasion, a party, Jesus says a wedding feast here. If the person who was in honor of this wedding or this party, whoever was hosting it, the, 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 the chart of the most honored people would start sitting next to that person and moving down. So all the Pharisees cared so much about being right next to the host. They wanted to be as close to him as possible, and Jesus saw all of these Pharisees rushing to that spot. And then he gives them this parable. These Pharisees thought they were entitled to this seat. They thought that they were the most honored guests at this Sabbath dinner. They thought they were the most honored guests. And, and, and we might not know the reason why they thought. Maybe they had the most knowledge. Maybe they, they were the funniest Pharisee. Maybe they had the, the most religion. They, maybe they're the closest to the host of the party. We don't know the reasons why they rushed. But they thought they were entitled to this seat. So what are we supposed to learn from what Jesus is saying here? How should this impact how we live as Christians? If you're taking notes tonight, write this down. It's going to be on the screen. Entitlement stems from what we think we deserve. Entitlement stems from what, from what we think we deserve. It's the expectation of what we think we deserve. So whenever something doesn't meet those expectations, we feel entitled that they should have. When we, when we get entitled, when we feel entitled, it's because our expectations, our, our unseen, our unheard expectations are not met. And so just like this, uh, this example I gave of me on the plane, I thought I deserved that seat because of what's happened to me. Just like these Pharisees thought that they could sit closest to the most prominent Pharisee because of their reasons. And so when I went up to this flight attendant and I asked her, can I sit there? And she told me no. I immediately felt entitled because I thought I deserved that seat. So this is what entitlement stems from. It's from what we think we deserve. Right, we think if we, if, we, if we start following Jesus, then things will go the way I want. And since I chose the right lifestyle to live and I'm obedient to what the Bible says, then life will go the way I want and I will get what I deserve. And this is a common misconception that a lot of us have that we think Jesus said is you get what you deserve. That's not the truth. When I was a student intern at Ottawa a couple years ago, we had a, a bigger team, and so we would go to, to lunch a lot of days that we were there. And we would take a, a van, and this would be like a four-seater van, and there were probably, I don't know, six or seven of us on this team, and we would go to lunch, and we'd all like to ride together, and so we'd all hop in this van. They would always give me the option to sit in the front row, to sit in the front seat because of, you know, my legs. I was the tallest person on the team, so they were gracious enough to let me to sit 
in the front seat. And so there was a, an older pastor that would come with us. And he's been at, you know, out of all church for a long time, a really respected guy. And he's earned this respect. And so when he would come with us, I would always offer the front seat. I would say, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm an intern. I know where I stand. I'm at the lowest of the pole. And, you know, this guy is one of the highest pastors on staff. And so, of course, I'd, you know, let him sit there. And when I would ask him these questions, when I asked him if he wanted to sit in the front, before I could even ask, he'd already be climbing in the third or fourth row. It's the craziest thing. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, every time he never accepted my offer to take the front seat. He always wanted to sit in the back row. And I don't, I, again, I, I don't know why that happened. And so the thought came to me. It's almost like he knows the front seat doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things and, and, and would just be gracious to let other people have it. He's just storing up treasures in heaven. He's going to be able to join him forever and ever and ever. Right? He, I feel like he knew something that I didn't, that the front seat really didn't matter. Entitled people do not value others above themselves. They don't think about others because the world revolves around their needs and their comforts. Want to kill your feeling of entitlement? Make yourself uncomfortable for the sake of others. And that's what this guy did to me. I mean, every single time, he would take the third or fourth row. And it was just the, the craziest thing. He made himself uncomfortable for the sake of myself and other people. Entitlement is a serious problem that we all struggle with. It is a sin that hides in the shadows and rears its ugly head when we are least expecting it to. So how do we stop feeling entitled? How do we put this entitlement attitude Behind us. So I'm going to give you two very simple points tonight that will help you with this problem. Number one, entitlement begins when gratitude ends. Entitlement begins when gratitude ends. Do you want to know what you feel entitled to? Ask yourself another question. What do I complain about the most? All right, we're all complainers in here. We love, to, we love to grumble to the Lord. We love to complain against other people. The way you find out what you feel most entitled to, what do I complain about the most? We often complain so much about so many different things, we complain without even thinking about it. We feel entitled to far more than we think we do. Comfort, shelter, health, food, money, safety, and so much more on a daily basis. We have set all kinds of expectations, and most of us don't even realize it. Whenever our expectations are not met with something we are expecting, that's when this attitude of entitlement starts to set in. And so you can, you can, you can kind of see when you think about what you complain about the most. Whatever you complain about the most is an expectation that wasn't met. And so automatically you start feeling entitled. This is really important. I don't... I don't want you to miss this. It's going to be on the screen. Often the way we determine what we deserve is by comparing ourselves to what others have. Often the way we determine what we deserve is by comparing ourselves to what others have. Has anyone done that in here before? Comparison? I love to compare myself to other people. By comparison, it's a huge enemy in this. We all see somebody get something that we think we should have, and when we don't get it, we become entitled to thinking we deserve it, which leads to anger, which leads to bitterness. And I'll, I'll give you an example of this. So I have a friend who's my same age, and 
man, he has never followed Jesus. He doesn't know who Jesus is. Man, his life's a piece of cake. He doesn't have to worry about anything. I've been following Jesus since I was six years old. I became a Christian when I was six. Now I serve on staff at a church, and I think that my life should automatically become easy. It's an expectation not met. It's an unheard, unseen expectation that I have of what I thought I deserve. Because I follow Jesus, I deserve an easy life. False. So I start comparing myself to my friend who doesn't know Jesus and what he gets I think I deserve. So I become entitled. I have this feeling of entitlement. I don't know if you guys have ever had that same feeling But we have to set our expectations biblically, not socially. This is huge. This is huge. Don't don't miss this. We have to set our expectations biblically, not socially. The goal is to not lower our expectations and standards of what we think we deserve. We need to totally reset our thinking biblically on this subject. So what do do I mean when when we need to start setting our expectations biblically? We need to get why we need to be grateful from what the Bible says we should be grateful for. We need to get why we need to be grateful from what the Bible says we should be grateful for, not what our social life or our culture says we need to be grateful for. The Bible clearly lays it out why we should be grateful, and that leads us to the the last point, number two. Gratitude begins when entitlement ends, so they're flipped. Gratitude begins when entitlement ends. Super simple points. I want to tell you something that maybe you've never even thought about before of of why we should be grateful. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian tonight, there's a reason that you should be grateful. As Christians, we need to be the least entitled people out there. Because at the end of the day, we deserve hell. That's what we deserve as Christians, as, as, as people in general. We deserve eternal separation from God. The gospel, it kills entitlement. If we have a right understanding of what Jesus did for us, we understand that by our actions, we are deserving of hell and eternal separation from God. And that's exactly what we're entitled to. That's exactly what we deserve. But because of the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf, we receive something we do not deserve and we are not entitled to. The gospel is a story of of God in the flesh becoming a servant and humbling himself to the point of death on a cross. Paul lays this out in Ephesians chapter 2 and says, But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead and our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that the coming ages he might show us the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves. This is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You know what Paul's saying here in Ephesians? He's saying God has given you a gift. A gift is something we receive, we get, when we don't earn it. 
and we don't deserve it. But because out of the love of God, of what he had for us, he sent his son Jesus to die for us. So the gift of salvation can be given, can be available to us. This is what Paul is saying here. And man, when I was writing this message, this reality broke my heart because I realized that I was feeling entitled. Because I thought I deserved so much more than what I already have. If you're a follower of Jesus here tonight, this is specifically to you guys. You have the gift of salvation. The Bible says that that should be enough. You don't need anything else outside of your salvation that you have in Christ. Because what we really deserve is hell. What we really deserve is eternal separation from God. Right? God doesn't owe us anything in this life. So everything else he gives to us is just icing on the cake. Everything good in this life comes from God. Everything good in this life comes from God. We have to know that our salvation is enough. That's why we can be grateful in bad times, in good times, and any times. Because we have the gift of salvation. We have the gift of eternal life. That should be enough. But our God is so good, so powerful, He continues to bless you in your life. That honestly, again, our salvation should be enough, but God is so good that He continues. He continues to give us things, breath in your lungs, legs that can, that can walk, eyes that can see, ears that can hear. Those are blessings. You waking up this morning, you being here, that's something that you should be grateful for. I want to give you a very simple way of how this looks. Input changes outlook, and outlook changes behavior. So our input of this is when we become grateful for things and we start praying about them, we start thanking God for what He's doing in our life, that's the input. Okay, I'm, I'm inputting this into my mind, I'm, putting, I'm inputting this into my heart, that what I know about God is that He's given this gift to me freely. That He's given me this, and this, and this. That's the input. From that input, it's going to change our outlook on life. Because you're not going to have these expectations of something that you think you deserve, that you know that I've got all I need already. Actually, I've got more than I deserve. Right? And that's how you're going to start seeing life. Is you're not going to get angry. You're not going to get bitter at what other people have. You're going to be happy and grateful and joyful for what you have. Right? And then that outlook changes our behavior. So when you start seeing life this way, when you start looking at life this way, it's going to change how you behave, how you act towards others, how you act towards yourself, what you think about. It's going to change everything. Just having an attitude of gratitude. That's it. But gratitude of what God has done in your life. Input changes outlook. Outlook changes behavior. If you're negative all the time, entitled all the time, jealous all the time, of course you're going to be entitled. But if you change your input of what you're putting in, it'll change what comes out, which in the end will change how you act towards others and yourself. 
Gratitude is the kryptonite to anger, bitterness, jealousy, envy, frustration. It's the way you beat a negative attitude is gratitude. A person with a a grateful heart will be less negative in their mind and less critical with their heart. And last point tonight, it's very simple. This wrapped up in three words. Gratitude changes attitude. Period. Gratitude changes attitude. Grateful people live entitlement-free. Their perspective has changed, and now they have an eternal view in mind instead of worrying about the here and now. Start living for eternity, not the temporary. Our rewards we store up in heaven. We store crowns in heaven. Our rewards are not here. This isn't our home. Heaven is our home if you believe in Jesus. And your crowns that you set, they're set in heaven for you. Right? That's why we have to have an eternal view on this. It's not about here. It's about, man, what we're doing now that's going to be presented to us by Jesus in heaven. Man, that's good. That's good news tonight. All by having gratitude that changes your attitude. So I want you guys to, to bow your head and, and close your eyes. Man, I, I just want to go before the Lord tonight. Man, this is something that every single one of us struggles with in here. Entitlement is a serious issue. A serious problem that's taking over our attitudes, the way we think about people, the things we say about people. Man, entitlement, it's destroying us from the inside. And so I want you to to, to go before the Lord tonight. Man, ask for forgiveness for what you haven't been grateful for. It is so easy to not be grateful for simple things. Simple things like a house, like a family, health, breath in your lungs, God waking you up in the morning. Those are just simple things that we can be grateful for. I'm sure there's so many other things that we can be. Man, so just ask God for forgiveness for the things that you haven't been grateful for. Confess it to him tonight. So, Lord, we go before you, and God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the free gift that you give us if we shall receive to take it. That, God, we didn't deserve it by our works, by how we think, by how we act. But, God, you give it to, you give it to us freely because of your love for us. God, I, I want to apologize and ask for forgiveness for being entitled for feeling that I deserve something that honestly I don't because you have graciously reminded me about the salvation you've given me that's enough and so Lord I pray for the the students in here tonight that may have an ungrateful heart that can sense they have an ungrateful spirit an entitled attitude God, I pray that they, they, they lay that before your feet tonight. They give it up. Because, God, we need to be grateful for what you've done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.